My wife and I had a chance to get away for a few days, even during all this craziness that we're in. We found this Airbnb that uh, was just on the North San Yam River, so not too far away. And um, we had a chance to, you know, just to unwind a bit, you know, just stare at the water, watch Osprey try to grab fish. It was fun. But one of the things we, we like to do when we go out like that is we like to hike a little bit. Anybody in here like to hike? Anybody online? Okay, a few people. It's Oregon. We got we to gotta take advantage of the outside. And so we were looking up hikes around the area, and it said Opal Creek. And we thought, oh, great. That's, uh, and it said it was only like, an, uh, like in town, maybe like half a mile from where we were staying. We thought, great, you know, that'd, that'd be pretty easy. So after 20 minutes of circling around what GPS said was the start of the trailhead, some local came and knocked on the door of the car and said, are you looking for Opal Creek? And we said, well, as a matter of fact, we are. Said, yeah, I, know what, I don't know what GPS is doing. Everybody always seems to get lost right here. You need to go 23 miles out of town, and you probably need a four-wheel drive. So I'm like, okay, so we had to kind of reset. We've got to actually got a little bit of a journey here. And uh, that whole idea of the four-wheel drive kind of stuck in my brain, but I figured, you know, I've got a Prius, so I can probably handle <laughs> anything, any kind of road can throw at us. That was a colossal mistake. <laughs> so after about an hour and a half of fighting potholes and gravel roads, anybody ever been to Opal Creek area? Okay, it's, it's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart to get there. But we finally did get to the trailhead, and, and uh, there was actually a lot of people up there, strangely. But we, we had a nice time. We, we took off, and, and about eight miles in, uh, or not eight miles, maybe four miles in, and we, we, we hiked out four miles. Beautiful, wonderful place, just gorgeous. They did some mining up there, which is pretty cool. You see the old mining equipment out there, and I guess they found some gold, like, way back in the 1800s or something. And then that was quickly abandoned, but the stuff is still there. So it's kind of cool to look at it. But i got to tell you, when we got back into the car... You know, we both kind of took a big sigh of relief because that was a long way for us. We're people of a certain age, so that's a, that's a good hike for us. And we got back in the car and kind of did this big collective sigh. And we kind of looked at each other and like, will we do this again? Probably not, but we felt really glad that we did it. You know, you, you get up there, all that, you know, it took, took a lot more of the day than we thought it was going to take. But we were very thankful that when we got to that trailhead, you know, we started taking those next steps to actually get into the wilderness. And it was, it was one of the things where you just realize sometimes in life you're taking those next steps, whether that be a hike or some journey or a career or whatever it might be for you, it's sometimes those next steps that really can make a difference. We're so glad we did that. Now we all really do have journeys in life. You know, it may not be, again, hiking, that's just a metaphor, but there are other things that we start in life and they require us to take a next step. And sometimes we don't even really know the full end of the journey, right? We, we take a next step into a new career, new relationship, whatever that might be, and we're not really sure 20, 30, 40 steps down the road what it's really going to be, right? We're not really sure, but we take those next steps in hope of, of finding, you know, the adventure. Have you ever been on a hike or, or something where, where you've been surprised about what you found? Anybody been on a hike and you found like a waterfall or something like that? That can sometimes happen around here. It's like a little bonus. It's a total bonus to the journey. Every adventure though, every journey involves next steps. It takes us forward. We have a beginning and then we begin to move forward. And, and that's what we're really talking about in this series. We're kicking it off today, so we're glad you're here, whether in person or online. 
Glad you're here. We're kicking off a series that I hope will give clarity around what it means to take next steps in following Jesus and in being part of, of the life of the church, especially our church here. What are those next steps that carry you forward in your faith? So we're going to be in this series for four weeks. I hope you can make plans to be w- with us each weekend. But we're basically looking at what it takes for someone to be like a first-time guest to someone who is a fully devoted follower of Jesus that can walk someone else through that journey. And that's what we're going to be talking about, getting clarity around those steps in the next four weeks. And our message today is about really something simple. It's just simply titled, Starting the Journey. So I'm Pastor Ben, so glad you've joined us again, whether you're in person or online, we want to welcome you. It's a, it's a great honor. We meet every Sunday, and there's one reason for that. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, born in a humble way, in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for us, but then rose again. And that that day that he rose again was a Sunday. And so Christ's followers from that day on have been meeting together every weekend, but especially on Sundays to remember the resurrection. That's why we do this. Glad you've made this part of your regular rhythm this week. May this be a reset for all of us. No matter what craziness happened last week, today is a chance. It's the first day of the week. We can hit the reset button together. And let's do that, and then let's pray together. Father, we come before you today. We thank you so much for your love and and your beauty and your power. Uh, Father, you are just amazing, and we we bow to worship you right now. And Father, we're so thankful for this gathering that we're still able to do this. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a mighty way. And Father, help us all to take whatever next step is that you're calling us to do. And so Father, help us to hear from you. Be challenged and changed by your power through the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're kind of new to the journey of Christianity, or maybe you really hadn't thought about it this, before, this way before, but Christianity, if you think about it, didn't start from a book. It didn't start from a, a set of platitudes. It didn't start from the halls of academia, or, or even a great religious movement per se. Christianity at the beginning didn't didn't really start with a list of rules and do's and don'ts. Christianity started a little different than that. It started as a simple movement of following Jesus Christ. That's how Christianity actually started to get its traction in the world. All the crowds that would gather around Jesus of Nazareth that first century They would gather around and they would listen to him speak, and he spoke like no one else. He spoke as one who had authority. He would go to the synagogues, which is where the religious people would gather, kind of like our church services, and he would speak, and people would just be overwhelmed by the authority and the beauty and and what he was teaching. And as he moved through his ministry, people would follow and crowds would follow, and when they wanted to sort of take it up to the next level, if they wanted to take a next step with Jesus... He would tell them to do one thing, and it starts with two words. Follow me. Follow me. That's really how Christianity, if you you think about it, at least from that angle, that's really how Christianity began, is actually following Jesus. He didn't call people to sit down in a pew or a seat, and he was going to give them some lofty ideas for a better life. He simply said two words again. You got this now. Follow me me. Of course, he said some other things too. We'll get to there. But it started very simply. If you've got a Bible or a device, 
Find Matthew chapter 4. And this is the first time in the New Testament section of the Bible that we see that call being made to some people that were following him. And it's a very interesting beginning. Matthew 4, it's uh, the first book in the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the Gospels, but really they're the biographies of Jesus. They're the biographies of Jesus. That's how we get to kind of know what's going on from four different camera angles, if you will. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So in Matthew, we have the account of some first folks following Jesus. And and watch what happens. Matthew 4, verse 18. Now, while, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that is Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, that'll be important later, and Andrew, his brother, and what were they doing? Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I find that an interesting qualifier. They weren't just randomly throwing nets into the water and everybody going, wow, what a bunch of whack jobs. They were actually fishermen. So I think that's an interesting qualifier. Just in case down the road people didn't fish like that, maybe, so that we would know later that that's what they were doing. But they were fishing, and, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I would imagine that that sounded a little weird. But they were fishermen. They understood the idea you cast out a net and you draw some in. So, but it still probably would have sounded a little weird that I'm going to make you fishers of men. But follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father. And what did they do? They followed him. Now, Jesus really had a soft spot for fishermen, I think, early on. He had a pretty good soft spot for some fishermen. The first four. Now, some of these become his inner circle. Like those first, first few that he called were his inner circle. Now, we don't know exactly how much interaction that Jesus had with them. I don't know if they had heard about him. Maybe they had caught a couple messages somewhere. You know, if they, they were a little bit familiar with him. But right away, Jesus calls four men to do what? Now, where is the full agenda then? Like, where, does he say, okay, I want you to follow me, and then, uh, then Monday we're going to... No agenda. No here's a full three-year plan for you to be my disciple. You know, it's not like people in that day didn't understand the idea of a rabbi. And rabbis, we don't really use that term much anymore. But the idea that, that a rabbi or a teacher would have disciples or apprentices. And so he's calling them to basically apprentice with them. And so they would understand, okay, this is a different life journey now that we're beginning. But it started with one simple phrase, follow me. Now, later, Jesus is going to run into another individual, and we really only have uh, records of those first five and their initial invitations. We have Matt, or we have, you know, uh, what do we have? We have Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, we have James and John, and then we have one more that the, that the New Testament gives us ideas on how those initial uh, invitation happened, and that was Matthew, a guy named Matthew, who was, if you know some of the story, Matthew was a guy who collected taxes, probably wasn't the most popular guy in his class. 
He was sitting there at his booth, whatever, and we get this idea that Jesus is walking through town and we see him there at his booth collecting taxes for, does anybody know who the world power was at the time? The Roman government. And they loved their taxes. They would take censuses, all kinds of stuff, so they knew where the taxes was coming from. Very odd, different than our government today. But they were really concerned about those taxes. And Matthew was helping them. Now, Matthew was part of the Jewish uh, religion and Jewish nation. And so we get this idea that maybe Matthew was kind of stepping on the dark side there, doing anything to help the occupying army of Rome. But Jesus sees him... And what does he say to this Matthew tax collector guy? I think you already know it by heart by now. What does he tell Matthew? Follow me. Now, where's the agenda? Where's the 10-step plan? Where's the three-year graduation thing? We don't get any kind of roadmap. He just tells them to follow me. No formal agenda, no mention of that. Start following me and, and start the journey. Take next steps. And really... Those first, you know, followers, that's what they did. As far as we know, they followed him, walked around. They took steps near Jesus. And they would see him eat. They would see him interact with people. They would see him teach and hear him teach. They would watch him do these miracles. And they were were seeing Jesus model the kingdom life. And they, they watched him. That was really the agenda, as far as I could tell. Follow me involved a lot of taking steps. Can you imagine, and I'm sure there's probably scholars that have figured this out, how many steps Jesus took in his life? There's probably been, I'm probably, somebody's figured this out. I don't know how. It would be an approximation. But I mean, if you're walking everywhere, and his disciples are walking with him. How many steps were they getting on their little iPhones back in the day? Clearly more than 10,000 steps. I don't know. They were following him all the time. There is something about walking. Walking and following Jesus. Follow me. And eventually he was going to make them what? Fishers of men. So at some point, they were going to extend his ministry by also going out and, and kind of capturing the attention of others, uh, bringing them in, putting the hook in them of the gospel good news. And they may not have understood all of it at the time, but they understood that this following Jesus thing isn't a passive deal. It is an active deal. We're not just sitting down somewhere. We're actually following and learning the ways. And one day we're going to have to teach others the way. That is the, helping fish for others, fish for men. And so they learned that this was an active way of life. Now here's a side note. If you have your Bible still open, we were just in what, Matthew 4? Six chapters later, in the same book of Matthew, we have Jesus doing something with these early disciples. Now you may know this, maybe you don't know this. So here's the deal. What I was kind of thinking through, even this morning, kind of praying through this, I don't know how long it took from the initial calling to have this chapter 10 show up. We don't have, you know, necessarily an actual timeline. We don't know how long it was. But if you look at at Matthew chapter 10, go ahead and find that in your Bible. Matthew chapter 10. This is my old faithful here, ESV. He's going to call, basically assign these followers. He's going to say, I want want these 12 kind of disciples. So he actually names them, you know, kind of names the 12. 
All right, some of them we know more about, some of them we don't, but he names 12. Now, it's kind of a special number in the Hebrew culture. 12 is a, a, what I think a number of completion, and 12 is also the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's a lot of, a lot of, of a synergy there with the number of disciples that he called there and actually named them kind of an office. You know, this is your, your disciple, you know, Peter, James, and John. Does he call him Peter by then? Yeah. So by the time we get to Matthew chapter 10, it's no longer Simon, it's Peter. Isn't that interesting? So now he's going to commission them to a new life. And what does he do in Matthew chapter 10? Does anybody know? Not only just does he name the 12, but what does he do? He sends them out. So the word we have there is kind of apostle. He kind of apostolizes them. And, and they go out. And Jesus gives them instructions on what to do, what happens when this happens. Uh, here's, here's what you take for your journey. Here's kind of the message. The kingdom is near. And so he, he kind of gives them some instructions, but he sends them out. And my wonder is how long it took from the calling to the actual sending. Because, again, I don't know how much time we're talking about, but we have two stages. We have some preparation. You know, they've been walking, they've been taking a lot of steps following Jesus all this time, preparation, and then at some point we have the commissioning, the apostolatizing, if you will, the sending out. So it's the preparation and then the actual action. So I don't know how long it took. It seems pretty quick to me. You know, we're just meeting these people, and they, just, they were just washing their nets a few days ago. I'm sure it's longer than that. But I mean, the, the sense you get is just the way the movement of Scripture works. We got a calling, we have some preparation, and then we have them going out. Now, we can tell from later discussions that Jesus sent them out here in Matthew 10 before they really even knew all the deal. In fact, they were confused all the way up until he's put on the cross with exactly how this was all going to work. So, do you see my point? We may not know everything we need to know at some point, but we'll, we'll, need, we'll get just what we need for, the, for what God is calling us to do. We may not know the whole story, but when, when, when God wants to call us to something, He wants to call us to a next step. We may not know everything, but we'll know what we need to know to move the mission forward. You see, so, so we can take some comfort in the fact that God may be calling you, He may be calling me to a next step, and I may not know everything that's going to happen, but... He'll give me enough or give you enough to kind of get through what he's calling you to do. He will, he will kind of qualify who he is calling. And that's going to happen probably multiple times in our lives. It certainly happened with these 12. And later on, we know that they actually did fish. Eventually, they were able to tell people the stories of Jesus, and they just were hooked they were enthralled and they wanted to know more. And the early Jesus communities began to form on the teachings of what they learned from Jesus as they followed his way around. See, we're all called to take next steps. When the early church began to blossom and, and, and flourish throughout the ancient Roman world, we have a lot of letters that were written to the church communities, to the Jesus communities, by people like Paul, and some of these early leaders were kind of helping them unpack what it is to follow Jesus, what it is to, to live a life of following Jesus in a, in a culture that, that, that was really far from the Lord, in the Roman culture, the Greek and Roman culture. And so they would read these letters out, and we talk about what it's like to be a church family, and they were supposed to be the called out ones. And those letters, especially the ones that Paul wrote in Corinthians, talks about the church being a body, 
uh, that they're, they're a family, they're a body, they're, they're a team, they're people together that are following Jesus for encouragement and growth and, and for strength. And this body of Christ was where God was going to do work through each of them. And so as they began to, to not only appreciate Jesus and start following Jesus, then they became integrated into the church family and they became part of the body of Christ. And then God would give them gifts and spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts and talents to work to edify the body. And so people took next steps that were early on and then they began to take next steps of using their gifts and encouraging and equipping the church family as the body of Christ, as the Holy Spirit indwelled them and empowered them. See, church, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, is church from the beginning and even now is always a place of next steps. I mean, none of us wants to be stagnant in our faith. We don't want to be spinning our wheels all the time. We want to be moving forward. I want to be more like Jesus five years from now than I am right now. Anybody else with me? You want to be more like Jesus in a few years? I do. I feel like i got so much to grow. And I've talked to some of you even that have been farther along in the journey than me. And you still tell me you want to grow closer. And that gives me hope. I want to grow closer to Jesus. Those always involve, what are we saying? Next steps. Because when Jesus calls us, what does he say? Follow me. It involves next steps. Always calling us forward. And I love that. That he loves us as we are. We always talk about that, right? You know, his grace is sufficient for me. We always say, hey, God loves you in your mess. Absolutely. God does love you in your mess, but he wants you to move forward. He loves you so much in your mess, he'd like you to take some next steps and move forward. He would like you to mature in your faith. He'd like you to one day help someone else mature in their faith. It's always a forward journey by taking steps. And here at our church family, we think those next steps are, are still important. So let's talk about a few early steps. And many of you, maybe in this room, have already taken some of these early steps. But when you look at the scriptures and how the early church began to blossom, here are some first steps we see happening. First of all, they started gathering. In fact, we saw in the early gatherings, some of those gatherings, uh, Paul would even write, hey, when, when people come in that are unfamiliar with what, what's going on, they're unfamiliar with scriptures, they're unfamiliar with the Old Testament, make what you do helpful for them to take a next step. I'm paraphrasing, but Paul wanted to realize that when we have the gatherings, at least even in the first century, and even now, there's going to be people in our gatherings that are making this a regular kind of habit, and they're slowly putting their feet in the water. Who is this Jesus guy? Do I like these Christians? Are they, are they living what they say they're doing? You see, so those, one of those early first steps was being present in the worship gatherings, right? Being present in the worship gatherings. Now, we're a little challenged right now because of this whole pandemic thing, but we're trying to do that as best we can. We'll meet in person if we can. We'll meet online if we can. But these became important. So that early first step was being present in the worship gatherings. The next one was a big one. And we don't know the exact order of some of this, but as people started taking those, making that 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 worship gathering important, they began to say, well, I want to follow Jesus. I want to, be, I want to be part of this family. And so another early step is deciding to make Jesus Lord and Savior. And there may be a lot of people that have already done that in this room, but there could be someone that isn't quite ready yet or maybe hadn't thought about it. Today could be your next step to make Jesus Lord of your life, to move yourself out of the driver's seat and let him take the wheel because he's going to drive you better places than you ever could. So whether you're, you're thinking about that online or today, that's another next step, or early next step, of deciding to follow Jesus. Another one's being baptized into Christ. And churches teach all kinds of things about baptism. I want to say it's a beautiful thing. You know what baptism does for me? It's like not only a pledge of a good conscience, but it's a death 
and a resurrection. So the way we do baptisms here is just the way they did it in the New Testament, that when you decided, I'm all in, I want Jesus, Lord and Savior, what's all my response? And part of that response is going all in, buried with Christ, risen to new life. To me, it's one of the most beautiful things, one of the beautiful pictures that we see of what's happening to someone when they, when they were walking their own way and now they're walking the way of Jesus. Oh, I love baptisms. And so if you've never done that, that could be a, a logical next step for you where you say, you know what, I'm all in. I, love, I want all of the goodness that Jesus has for me. That's another early next step. Here's another one that we have in our church family. And we've been a little challenged with this because of the meeting restrictions, but we have a thing that we call starting point. And what that means is we're, we're getting together and, and talking through you know, what we believe as a church, where we're headed, what our strategy is, how we got started. And that's an important thing so that everybody can kind of be on the same playbook. So those are all early next steps. All early next step. And so the question is, are, are those steps you've taken, if you're here today, either in present or online, and if you've taken those, well then what's beyond that? What's your next steps? Now that's what we're going to be focusing on the next several weeks, is no matter where you're at in the journey, you have next steps. And you may have already taken those early steps, but maybe you know somebody in your circle of influence that has not taken any of those steps. Maybe they feel disconnected. Maybe they, they're really disrupted right now in their lives. We just finished that series. Maybe you could be that, that, that calming presence in their life to lead them to Jesus. Maybe, maybe God's calling you. Maybe for some of you, that's your next step, is you've got someone in your sphere of influence that, that could really use one of these next steps, these early next steps. So what is your next step? We're going to be asking that question every weekend. What is your next step? What is God asking you to do? You know, again, those early steps, trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior, being baptized into his death and resurrection, gathering regularly in the, in the worship gatherings on weekends, on Sundays, and then attending you know, one of our starting point classes. Whatever that next step is, you could take that. And, and if you've already taken all those, you can help somebody else through that. Now, again, let's go back to this one question. Because many probably in this room have taken a lot of those next steps. And you may be thinking, well, what is my next step, Ben? I've done all those. You know, what, are, what are my next steps? Well, again, can you walk someone else through those? Can you help them understand the mission, understand the playbook, understand those next steps? And we'll talk about that more and more, but it could be for some of you, you, you you've kind of jumped in, but maybe you've never, uh, maybe never like, given to the church family. That's kind of a big step. I mean, that's a real trust factor that you're trusting uh, you know, this church family and the Lord with your resources. Giving's another big step. That could be something along your journey. It could be for you, Actually, spending time daily with the Lord. Spending time in Scripture and in prayer, making sure you're part of a, a worship gathering, either online or in presence. That could be a next step for you. We'll talk more about those next steps in the next several weeks. But maybe, maybe you need to commit to say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with you every day for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Over the years, I've tried to ramp that up in my life. And some of you know my story. But I try to ramp that up. A lot to where I'm on a Bible reading kind of program that I kind of created from another pastor that I heard several years ago, and it's uh, it takes me about 45 minutes to read through the scripture portion of just my time with the Lord, and that's something that I've worked on over time. It didn't that just happen right away. My prayer time that's something that I've built over time, and it's something where I started kind of you know maybe five minutes, ten minutes, you know, but then I've realized I need to spend a lot more time, and that's built over time. That just doesn't automatically happen. We are creatures of habit. So maybe that's your next step, is to actually build into your weekly rhythm significant time with the Lord. 
I'm telling you, that will be such a beautiful thing. It will change you in ways you just never thought. When you're filling your mind with Scripture and not something else, boy, does that make a difference. Anybody testify to that? You fill your mind with Scripture, and yeah, most of us in here have experienced that. It just... I'm telling you, the scriptures, they're just good stuff. It's God speaking to us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will kind of use that, what you're reading, to kind of transform some other areas. So those are some next steps you could take if you've already taken those initial ones. So here's the question, and we're going to wrap it up. Why do we take next steps? Why in life do we take next steps? Why in faith and in the church family do we take next steps? Why? Why are they important? I think, and we've said it before, that Jesus is always calling us forward. Yes, he loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay where we are. We were in that mess when he saved us, but he's like to call us forward. And that's why next steps are so important. I love what Paul says in Ephesians. It's, an, it's another letter in the New Testament part of the Bible. Ephesians, he has some friends, a Jesus community there, and Paul, the leader, writes a letter to the Ephesians. And, he, and listen to the, the, the wording that Paul uses. And he wrote this, in fact, this letter was probably shared with all the early first century Jesus communities, all the churches that were around the Roman Empire. And listen to how he speaks of following Jesus. Listen to these words. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Paul will say, walk in love. And he will say, walk as children of light. Careful how you walk redeeming the time. Isn't it interesting that Paul keeps using this walk talk? Walk talk. Well, it could be that those early disciples were mentored by walking around, taking next steps. So naturally, when we speak of faith, we speak of next steps. We speak of walking in the light, walking as children of light, walking in a manner worthy of the calling. Because look, no matter where you're at in your, your faith journey, there's always, always a next step. I'm going to pray here in a minute. But here's the question. I want you to pray this. Lord, what is my next step? Pray that out. Lord, what is my next step? Because there's always a next step. Jesus is always calling us forward. And that's such a beautiful thing. Until He comes back, calls, calls, you know, calls us home, we are walking forward. And so that's encouraging. I hope that's encouraging you. So pray this week, Lord, what is my next step? I want to pray here in a minute, but if your next step is one of those early steps, whether you're online or you're with us today, you, you say, you know what, I need to take that early next step of making Jesus Lord and Savior, being baptized, starting to make this a regular uh, weekly, weekly thing that I do is attend a church gathering. If those are your next steps, we would love to hear that today. Please let us know. We want to pray with you on that. If that's your decision today, we can even work out a time for you to be baptized. It's, it's a beautiful thing. If that's your decision today, we'd love to hear that. It starts with faith, believing that Jesus is who he says he is. It comes to repentance, and that's the idea of you were, you were going your way, and, and now you're going to change and go the way of Jesus. You're going to follow him. You have sin issues that you need. Only Jesus can take care of those sin issues. So you're going to confess before men that you need him as Lord and Savior. You're going, to, you're going to make it public. You're going to be baptized into Christ, buried in his death, risen out of the water to new life, and then begin walking the way of Jesus, walking in a manner worthy of the calling. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you so much for your love and faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Father, help us all understand in this room and online what our next step is. What are you calling us forward to? Because, Father, we know there's always a next step 
And we want to walk that way, walking closer to Jesus, your son, and, and being more like him as we walk and follow and take next steps. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.